is already underway. I'm one of your hosts, Jacob Lacey, joined again today, as always, by Aaron Hahn. Don't think I don't say it. And Cricket, David. Man, where is, where is that Cricket when you need him? I know, dude. I just gave him a cue. I was like, let's do this. And he ruins it. He ruins everything. Yeah, he, um, he botched his audition. The cricket yeah. will no longer be. You know what? Uh, I don't even care what he thinks of Bug Life. Bugs. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> I don't even care what he thinks about Bugs Life anymore. Guys, this is Reboot Already Underway, of course, this is the show. We talk about a lot of movie things. Talk about upcoming movies. We talk. We play a couple games. Talk about bad movies. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about a good movie. <laughs> um, so, guys, Spider-Man Homecoming. What's up, guys? Wait a minute. You guys aren't the real Avengers. I can tell Hulk gives it away. Talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, I did, at least. Um, and said, hey, it's a pretty good movie. It's a good Spider-Man. Probably uh, my second favorite Spider-Man movie. And, uh... Of course, that being Spider-Man, Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi's original, followed by Spider-Man Homecoming, and then Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, and then Spider-Man 2 at the very bottom. Um, <laughs> no. And, uh, no, so, so yeah, I really enjoyed this movie, but now Aaron has seen it, David's seen it. Also, I just didn't even mention that David's not on the episode this week. Um, so, yeah, he'll join us next week. Hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, so, Aaron. And you're, you're already devolving into a mess without him. I know. Uh, I'm, I'm broken up inside. You're, Aaron, you're losing it. The and it's only been like five minutes. It's like when it's only a me and Aaron episode. And it gets way off topic. And we talk about things for way too long. And we already started it right now. <laughs> and, Aaron, what do you think? Yes. What were your What are your five words for Spider-Man Homecoming, like we like to do, as far as... We're just going to talk very minimal non-spoilers, since we talked about it last week, and then jump into spoilers for Spider-Man Homecoming. So, Aaron. All right. So, five, five words on uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Not enough jazz dancing Spider-Man. That's, that's, that's my five words. I, I wanted more uh, dancing... Yeah. They say it's homecoming, but then he doesn't even dance at homecoming he never, to, like, a jazz song. <laughs> like, missed opportunity. He never even says, now dig on this in this movie. Um, and that, <laughs> that was a That iconic Spider-Man quote. <laughs> now dig on this. <laughs> if there's one quote people associate with Spider-Man, <laughs> it's that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, like good movie right guys um yeah so aaron hates this movie it's his least favorite I, I so if i was ranking all the spider-man movies i'd put it fourth after the original raimi trilogy i honestly before both the amazing spider-man movies i cannot even believe that that's a real thing that just came out of your mouth i hey as you learned from trying to rank all the marvel movies with me i like spider-man 3 <sighs> Yeah, it's a good movie. Oh, no. Got got the got the right amount of uh, jazz dancing. Oh, in it. I would, some would say too much jazz dancing for Spider Man. Well, um, you know those people would be wrong. Well, because well. I guess they don't understand the the spirit 
of the comic character if they're not all in on the jazz dancing. I know I sure don't. <laughs> I, th- I think they're forgetting about the classic Amazing Spider-Man comic issue number 342 where he saved the world by jazz dancing. You know, you just came up with that on the spot, but I'm sure there's probably some stupid Spider-Man comic out there where it's like, oh, you gotta dance to save the town, Spider-Man. And they're like, okay, sure. We'll swing the cranes over for you, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing uh, as terrible as that crane scene in this movie. So. I, everyone makes fun of that scene. I don't hate it. Oh, it's so bad. No one's, What's so bad about it? It's such like a forced emotional connection. They're just like, hey, all these cranes are conveniently lined up so we can give the city some kind of inspiring moment to embrace Spider-Man. Yeah, you didn't do it in the voice. It's really hokey. You didn't do it in the New Yorker voice, though. What's I supposed to? Yeah. Yeah. Redo it. No. No. I'm not playing your games. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um. So yeah. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the uh, the spoilers. Actual Spider-Man. Some film. spoilers. Uh. So we're talking about Spider-Man: Homecoming spoilers. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I think it's a recommend from both of us. Yeah. Um, up there, as far as MCU movies, I'd say. Uh. Yeah. So, spoilers, Spider-Man Homecoming. What'd you hate about this movie, Aaron? Are we, are we starting with Let's the start, hate? I'm going to start with a hate. I do not like this movie's action sequences at all. That would have been my first pick, too. I was very uh, disappointed with the action. Yeah, I, I think the only one that works for me, and I've heard very conflicting opinions on this, because people are saying that the uh, fairy se- like section, that action scene, is their favorite. That's the one that's most well done. And I would very highly disagree with that. That is... Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't like that one at all. It was very, like... probably my least favorite scene in the whole Very, movie. like, stilted camera angles through all of that. You know, yeah. Kind of like... And it's not very fun, either. Like, it's just, I like... Do, I just think there were some fun moments, like, when he was just, like, messing around with the web features... Like, in that battle scene, like, obviously, beyond, he messes around with that, beyond that. But yeah, I don't remember him doing that, I guess. It's been a while since I've seen Yeah, someone one way he throws, like, the web grenade back, and then, like, the guy is behind him. And oh, that's right. Gets that's a good moment. It's a good comedic beat. Yeah. Uh, I just, overall, I mean, I the plane stuff wasn't very good either, but I liked the ending sequence for the plane. When the plane crashes... And then everything that happens after that, I thought was pretty well done. Um, I yeah, well, I mean, I do like that the like climax of this movie was essentially like it it was beyond the plane stuff. Like after that, the fight against Vulture after the plane crashed was kind of like low key compared yeah. to a lot of superhero movies, where it's basically just like Spider-Man like trying to save Vulture, and Vulture's just concerned with getting away with the loot, mm-hmm. and it just felt like very kind of like low stakes, but also really. Uh, emotional, very personal yeah. kind of thing. So, I like that part of it. I mean, that but, kind of falls into a part that I loved about this movie, and that was Michael Keaton's uh, Vulture, who I thought was really fantastic. 
Um, I mean, it's Michael Keaton, so we already know he can act like no other. Uh, and we already know he can act like a bird. Yeah, Birdman and Bat. Bird bats are kind of birds. As, as a flying creature. Yeah. He's very good at playing flying creatures. <laughs> yeah. I he mean, should get his own franchise where he just plays a different flying creature in each movie. God, An anthology show. There you go. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, his performance is, is really, really good. And his character, he might have the most well-written MCU villain yet. I'm trying to think, and I don't think I... I mean, other than Loki. Because, I mean, he might even be more well-written than Loki, honestly. Loki's, <laughs> Loki's big uh, ambition is... Uh, not ambition. His, his big motivation is, oh, I was stolen from my parents as a kid. Grow up, Loki, alright? Lots of kids are stolen <laughs> from their parents. Just get over it. I'm just kidding. If you've been stolen from your parents, um, call the police about that one. We're not, we're not, we can't help you there. Um, but yeah. I don't know. What, what did you think about Michael Keaton? I mean, I think that he did a fine job in the role and I do think that having like those uh like low-key ambitions like the you know he's just out basically to make his way in this world where like superheroes are blowing stuff up every other day he's like how does an ordinary working guy get through this i thought that was like a really nice approach but i also uh we're, we're gonna get into this uh the, one of the big twists of this movie oh god in that so uh where the vulture is revealed to be liz's father the whole time so yeah. and that was something that like when that moment hit in the th in the movie i was like surprised i was like that's actually a really cool twist yeah like you know it gives a nice uh personal connection between the two and that's always good but then when i like was thinking about this movie after like when i was just like trying to figure out my thoughts on it overall i was like wait a second it's the same thing they did in the first Spider-Man movie, where they're like, oh, the villain is the father of one of Peter's classmates. And they have this, you know, casual conversation where they both figure out each other's secret identities without actually explicitly saying anything about it. And I'm like, still a nice twist, it's, but... Yeah, I don't think you can take away how well it's set up in this movie. I think that, yeah, it is very similar my god, Peter knows all of his villains before they become villains, right? Like, is there one he doesn't? In the movies? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't that's what think I mean, so. yeah, in the movies. Unless like, we're, like, arguing about Electro with his whole, like, hey, you met me once on the street, and then you didn't say hi to me again, so now I'm gonna kill everyone yeah. motivation, because yeah. that was that was a well-written character. And then, and then Sandman, <laughs> I guess. Not really. No, well, Sandman... With their whole retcon that he killed Uncle Ben, which was one of the dumbest parts of that movie. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's I, when trying to give a personal connection between your own and your villain goes too far. It goes too far, yeah. That, sure. that was a decision. And, I don't know, I, this is the thing. And, like, yeah, it is very similar, but I feel like it's still different enough that it is, doesn't feel like it's been done, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem with it, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think it fit nicely into one of the one of the strengths of this movie was showing uh, 
Peter's struggle to balance the superheroics with like his high school life. Mm-hmm. And you know, to have like you know, one of the biggest moments of the movie being him having to decide to go between uh, going to the ho- homecoming dance with Liz and you know, stopping this uh evil supervillain that you know, it it was a very good uh character moment, I thought. So, yeah. overall, I liked the twist even though it was familiar. I audibly gasped and said oh my god when that happened (laughs) a lot of people in my theater gasped there was like you know like an audible collective gasp in my theater i don't know why it just took me aback so much like it just opens the door and there he is and i'm like but like before when they were focusing on that door so much i'm like something's gonna be behind that door that we don't expect (laughs) and i'm like okay even expecting that there's something I won't expect, I didn't expect that. So I, I, was, I thought it was just going to be like, oh, Liz is going to come out and she's going to look really pretty and yeah. Peter's going to be like, whoa, I hit the jackpot. That's <laughs> whoa, his boy, Spider-Man saying. Jackpot. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the Spider-Man thing. Yeah, he says, I hit the jackpot, and then directly after he says, now dig on this. Um, yeah, those, those are the key Spider-Man quotes to remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, that that whole scene honestly might be the best scene in the whole movie afterwards, um, where they're in the house and just Peter. I mean, this movie is chock full of comedy. We haven't really talked about that yet. Yeah. Um, but that Peter's face and just Tom Holland's facial acting in that scene is really, really great. Um, where he's just they're taking pictures and stuff and he's really distracted so we're really distracted and stuff's just kind of happening you know like oh taking pictures now we're going here and he's just looking at vulture the whole time like dude you're pretty messed up so (laughs) yeah i do i do think that uh returning to like michael keaton's acting in this movie i do think that that like whole transition there where we see him as just kind of like this casual dad and he's like doing the whole like friendly threatening you know you're taking my daughter out on a date and I'm just going to be like messing around with you a little bit kind of thing. But then seeing that transition into actual, I'm going to kill you and all your friends if you try to stop me kind of thing. Yeah. I think that was very well done. And just watching him figure out who Spider-Man is, is so great through like these little clues and Liz ruins everything. (laughs) Like Liz sucks, man. She's like, oh yeah, the Tony Stark internship and all this other stuff. And Spider-Man's like, just shut up, shut up. <laughs> Please just shut well, up. I mean, Peter didn't really help by, you know, acting as suspicious as possible. Yeah. He's like, now Michael Keaton in that scene is like, either you're Spider-Man, you're going to do some messed up stuff tonight. And I don't, I don't want to know about it, but I'm going to kill you if you touch my daughter. It's basically what happened in that scene. I don't know. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, other great performances. I think Tom Holland is great as Spider-Man. I mean, just continuing what we already assumed from uh, Civil War, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, his friend, Ned, I don't know that I've ever seen his friend in anything. Yeah, I'd say, I think he's a relatively unknown actor. Yeah, he was good. He was really funny. And he, he did a good job with what he was given. And... Uh, yeah. yeah, nice chemistry between the two. I definitely they they got like a nice cast of of like especially like the younger actors. Mm-hmm. I think that they really 
it, it's both really nice, you know, see a high school movie where their characters actually like seem like high school students, and oh, God, they really for the do. most part looked like high school students. But also, they had like a really great uh, chemistry between all of them. And um... like, like it's the it's the type of thing where it's like. I want all of these same classmates to return in the sequel. You yeah. know, like, don't give them a new group of friends in the next one. Oh, no, that, I don't think Bring they will. Bring all these same characters back. Develop them more. I mean, one of them is literally Mary Jane, even though they lied to us for so long that she wasn't Mary Jane. <laughs> she's not Mary Jane, though. Oh, she's my just God, MJ. she's Mary Jane. <laughs> but she's not. She's Michelle Jones or whatever her last name was. Oh, God. But, uh... Uh, speaking of though, Zendaya is great in this movie. Or however you pronounce, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I think it's Zendaya. I don't know. I, Zendaya is my best. Zendaya. I don't know. I, I, every time I say it, someone's like, "No, that's not right." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't know how to say it then." Um, but she's really great in this movie. She, for being a character with very little charisma, she has a lot of charisma in the role, and uh, her comedic moments are great like when they walk into the prom and she's just flipping them off <laughs> like when everyone's like waving <laughs> peter come over here come on she's just flipping them off i'm like oh god she i mean she de- she definitely did seem like like one of those kids you would know from like high oh, school yeah. you know like there was always that kind of outsider who was very sarcastic and yeah. all that and it, 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 it very much felt like a real character and i think a lot of that can be attributed to the performance because there's not a whole lot of her i was actually surprised with how little she had to do in the movie but i do think the performance kind of made it feel a lot more well-rounded of a character than it would have otherwise i mean them getting her them getting zendaya was very much them banking on there being more than one movie and then being able to focus uh, more on her later, I think. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, me. and I'm sure that's also, you know, part of the whole MJ reveal, where yeah. they're like, hey, this character is definitely going to be doing things later on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh... But but there is that moment at the end. Uh, like, another testament to the acting ability, that moment at the end where they're talking about, like, the next year of the quiz competition thing, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Where she's like, where uh, Ned's like, I thought you didn't have any friends. And she's like, I didn't. And then and you're like, oh, look, they're a family now. Yeah. You're like, it's, it's like they're, they're Suicide Squad all over again. It's like a good but, Suicide Squad. But the though. performance, like, sells it. Yeah. You're like, well, we didn't really see you develop friendships very much. But you know what? I actually believe you. Yeah, no, you believe it. I, I... When your friends almost all die together, I think at that point you're friends. <laughs> like, yep, we're officially friends now. Um, fair point, fair point. <laughs> oh, God, that's, that leads me to, like, a great line in that movie where he's like, I can't, I, he's like, I can't lose a student on a field trip. Not again. <laughs> it's so perfect. I, yes, one, I do love, like, how many, like, uh, comedic talents they brought in just to have, like, one or two funny lines in the movie, oh, God, but you know, Hannibal Burress. All right, so best line <laughs> in the MCU now is pretty sure that dude's a war criminal or something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> oh God, it's so it's so funny. Um, I, this movie would be like so confusing for anyone who hasn't been 
keeping up with all of the MCU. Yeah. But those little like nods there here and there are just like fantastic. They really are, yeah. And uh, I don't know. Do we want to talk about some other stuff? We want to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow, Pepper Potts. Do we movie? have to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow? I mean, we, we do have to. because that was people cheered in my theater when that happened. Like straight up, people like stood up and were like, "Yes!" <laughs> like, oh god, I, was I one of them? Maybe you don't need to know. Yes, uh, you you were. <laughs> I, I already know. Don't even try to lie. Oh uh, no, I love Gwyneth Paltrow, even though she seems a bit. Gwyneth Paltrow, and uh, that's one way to describe. Yeah, yeah. and uh, no, I like Pepper Potts. But, I mean, Pepper Potts is uh, she's a staple in the MCU, and seeing that uh, you know she's finally coming back for some more movies, I'm, I'm excited for that. Too bad uh, Tony's gonna it's die. Probably, it's probably yeah, it's probably because Tony's gonna die. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They're really wrapping up his character arc as well, and I think she's an important part of his character. So that's true. Although I wonder if she's gonna be in Infinity War. She will be. I'm guaranteeing we'll see. it. Yeah. How much are they willing to pay for everyone's salary Listen, is on this movie? Literally every like, hero in movie, She's in like two minutes of this movie, and she gets like fourth billing in the end credits, and you're like, how much money did she make on just this like two minutes of screen time? <sighs> Listen, Aaron. Every single It hero, wasn't worth it. Every hero. It was, it was a fun scene, but... And... You know, when they say every hero, you get a little like, oh, wow, that's a lot of heroes. But then ones just start coming out of the woodwork, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you're like, oh, wait, well, what about the Wasp? The Wasp is going to be in this movie. <laughs> you're like, what? And it's like, okay, well, then fine. Uh, War Machine. Oh, God, yeah, there's War Machine, too. Let's add War Machine. Let's add uh, Black Panther's uh, girlfriend, wife. I don't know what their relation is in the MCU. But, okay, add her now. Uh, okay, um, so, oh, are we going to see more Benedict Wong? Is more Benedict Wong going to be in this movie? You don't know anymore, Aaron. You just don't know. That's true. I do want uh, I can't wait to see just what the production budget for this movie is, though, whenever they finally release that. Um, I'm, I'm just insanely curious. Also, this movie, just so, I mean, we're talking about this now for some reason, but... Um, because we we don't have David here. Yeah, that's so point. We are getting off track. This movie is going to be unfocused as hell. Like this might be one of the worst Marvel movies if they don't do it right. And if it's anything less than three hours, this movie is going to be so rushed. So. Rushed. Well, I mean, it is two parts. But that's the thing; it's not really two parts. Like well, the Thanos we'll stuff will be wait two and parts. See. But like, it depends on how much they're trying to do in one movie. It doesn't make sense if it's in two parts, right? What do you mean? Because by the time part two rolls around, we're going to have Ant-Man and the Wasp, which will have to have been changed by Infinity War. And we're going to have Captain Marvel, which will have to have been changed by Infinity War. I mean, it could be that uh, either they are changed by the events of Infinity War, or... They take place before Infinity War in the timeline. Could happen. I, I, Marvel's not known for that though at this point. You know yeah, I mean? well, they uh, always push yeah. forward. They have not pushed backwards once. Right. We will except have for to... except for Guardians of the Galaxy two. I'll give them that. Yes. Um, uh huh. See. 
God, Although, to be not, fair, that's... yeah, that is really disconnected from yeah. the rest of the MCU. Anyway, back to Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think? Because this is something that I think a lot of people have been, like, I've been hearing a lot of complaints about it. Uh, but I actually enjoyed quite a bit was that uh, the voice in the Spider-Man suit. Like, the sort of AI yeah, why are people complaining about because that? People are like, we don't want another, we don't want another Iron Man, and oh well, I mean, I do get like the complaints that they're making Spider-Man a little too much like Iron Man, like giving him all the high-tech features and the AI assistant. Like, why not just let him fly at this point? But I do think a lot of that might, a lot of my reaction to that might depend on where they go with it in the next couple movies. Yeah. Because, like, for this movie, I thought it was fine because, you know, one, you have Iron Man there and he's playing this mentor role and you got that dynamic going. And, you know, the comedic uh, dynamic between uh, Spider-Man and the AI. What was uh, Karen? Karen. Was it really Karen? Yeah, I thought okay. so. I, I forgot. So. Um, it, it was really great and there were a lot of laughs there. So Yeah. Now, do you know who it's voices Karen? It's not something I hated within this movie. What? Do you know who voices Karen? Uh, what was it? Jennifer Connelly? Yeah, who is actually married to Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. So that's a so nice that's a, little nod. Yeah, a little thing. connection. Yeah. Um, and no, I, I agree. I think that it was really well done. There's a lot of comedic, uh, comedic material that comes out of it. And really, in the end, this movie is a comedy. It, it's not an action movie, really. There is action, but... The stuff that is here is not very good. So yeah, it, it almost to... makes me wish that, like, they hadn't had that vulture plot at all. Like, if yeah. they had just made an entire movie that was basically him, you know, struggling in high school, and then him just, like, out, out patrolling the streets and, like, helping old women across the street and yeah, that would be cool. doing backflips when that one guy asked for it. Like, if it was just, like, those oh, kind yeah. of moments... <laughs> For two hours, I wouldn't have been disappointed. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. I, I, and that's the thing. Like, we can wish for that, but what we did get, as far as the Fulcher stuff, plot-wise, it's really good. Even if the action suffers a bit, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just it feels like that uh, that stuff was necessary because that's just kind of the you know template for superhero blockbuster movies. Like, they wouldn't have been able to get away with a summer blockbuster movie with no action. Yeah. With Spider-Man in it. But at the same time, it it's just like, those were the best parts of the movie, and I wanted more of them. Yeah, same. Um, especially when he's, like, opening that, where he catches the guy trying to open his car. <laughs> They're like, that's his car! What are you doing? <laughs> oh, man. Um... I don't know, do we want to kind of wrap it up on Spider-Man? What, give it our final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, we can wrap it up. All so, right, uh, so, go ahead. You know, uh, I, I, like I've been saying, I think the comedy aspect of this movie was phenomenal. Like All the high school stuff of it really worked. The characters were great. The acting was great. The, you know, the comedy was probably some of the best Marvel has ever done. Mm-hmm. And I want... I wanted more of that, and I hope we get more of that. Like, this movie definitely got me excited to watch 
more Spider-Man movies, you know? Like, as opposed to, like, Amazing Spider-Man 2, where you're just like, do I really want the Sinister Six in this world? Because, like, they're kind of boring and awful and everything. But this movie, I'm like, you know, go through with your plan. Give me the Harry Potter style, you know, let me watch these characters grow up and transition into adulthood. Like, I really want that after watching this movie because the high school element of it, phenomenal, even if the action was a bit lackluster. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess my thoughts, yeah, I I basically just agree with everything you just said. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the comedy is fantastic. And uh, get more villains like Vulture, like ones that have real motivation. Get me Mysterio. That's all I want. Oh my god! Just, just well, get me Mysterio, play, bud. Don't worry. Give me get Spider-Man: Homecoming two with Mysterio. That would be like the the greatest gift you could give me in Marvel. Oh my god! <laughs> and then aside, <laughs> and dancing. also jazz dancing. Oh my god! Okay. Spider-Man: Homecoming two, where Spider-Man has to defeat Mysterio in a jazz dance-off. That would be my new best movie of all time. Uh, yeah. Side note, it's nice to have a Marvel villain who actually learns something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where they're like, hey, what's Spider-Man's secret identity? And he's like, I don't know. And they just kind of walk away. Yeah. yeah. It, was an, it was a weird kind of, like, after credits tease, though. Because you're like, is this meant for set up for future movies? Because that one guy, that, the, the guy that was talking to him at the end there, that's Scorpion from the comics. I'm like, I don't really want Scorpion as the villain in the next movie. But I, I'm sure so, they're setting up Sinister Six, right? That's that's my hope. I, ho- I hope that it's more a Sinister Six setup, which I would be really happy if they actually you know get to the point. If they take their time with it, not like Amazing Spider-Man 2, if they take their time to build up the Sinister Six, I'd be really happy. Yeah, but then it's like, how do we get Vulture back in the fold after he's like, yo, Spider-Man, you're pretty cool. It could be, maybe he becomes like a like a mole in the Sinister Six almost kind of thing. Oh, that'd be pretty dope. Like he I joins up that. with them, but then he ends up taking them down from within, oh helping Spider-Man God. take them oh, down from oh. within. Oh, we just wrote Amazing Spider, we just wrote Spider-Man Homecoming 3, Aaron. <laughs> we just did it. <laughs> you get started on that. I'm still focused on... Uh, Jazz dance off with Mysterio oh, okay. for two. Guys, That's the one alt right. Let's move on. Did you just say something about the alt right? No, I said that's the one all right. Oh my god. Okay, let's move on to the upcoming movies of the week. Where are we going? Dunkirk. There's no hiding from this sun. We have a job to do. If we go there, we'll die. Um, at this point, almost already here by the time we're recording this. Um, True. Which means I'm getting even more and more hyped for yeah. a certain film here. Oof. Let's start with the one that I, I don't think anyone's hyped for. Hey, yeah. hey, don't don't be uh, bringing in your opinions, man. Oh my god. My name is David, and I like <laughs> Harambe, and... <laughs> You like Harambe again? I don't think you ever liked Harambe. This, this, this is my David impression. It's 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 a work in progress. I think we were projecting on him. Like I don't think he ever liked. No, no, I don't Harambe. think he ever did. Um, that was more of an us thing, or maybe even just a me thing. I don't know. 
Um, no, I, my, uh, my name is David, and uh, I don't want Lacey to uh, give his opinions on movies before introducing them, and also send me your dankest memes. Yeah. You know who's a good meme right now? Jake Paul. He's a, he's I don't a know, good meme. I don't know who that is. Uh, oh, I have a video to show you after this. Um, <laughs> so, Let's get to the upcoming movies. Yeah, so... Alright, so we'll start with one that I was, like, pretty down on for a while, but it seems like people are actually enjoying it, critics-wise. Uh, Girls Trip. Yeah, I mean, uh... I was also surprised that it got such uh, positive critical reception, but... Yeah, I... Because, like, the trailers for this, I was like, oh, we got a pee joke. <laughs> Why do we have to make pee jokes? But, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it very much just, when I, I, when I saw the trailer, it very much just felt like, you know, another one of those, you know, R-rated, raunchy comedies for, you know, a girl's night out kind of deal. Like, you know, it, it has a very... It's not a type of movie that appeals to me. No. But neither. at the same time, you know, I, I guess I'm I'm glad that it looks like it's a good example of the genre, even if I have no interest in it. Yeah, I'm open to still seeing it, maybe when it's uh, on Netflix or something. Uh, yeah. All right, that's that's all we have to say about that one. Um, so Valerian, Aaron. Yes. Or as I like to call it, Jupiter Ascending 2. All right, so you are very negative on this movie, then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm actually somewhat excited for this movie. I, I, okay, here's, basically, I think that visually this movie will be fun. Yeah. I think it will be, like, it, it would be a cool big screen experience. I think that, you know, it looks like, they're having a lot of fun just, like, crafting alien life in a world. It's like the whole Star Wars just kind of throw everything out there and just have fun with it kind of style. But at the same time, I think the leads in this well, are we got severely miscast. Lead. We got one good lead. And his name is Dane DeHaan. And, uh... Okay, well, like, I... Dane DeHaan is a good actor. I like him. Yeah. But he, he just doesn't seem like the type of lead I would want man. in a movie like this. He's you know, not a leading man. You are correct. Not even that he's not a leading man, but he's just not like the pulpy sci-fi action hero. You know, the charismatic, like, 40s-style sci-fi yeah. astronaut, hero, whatever. He doesn't. He doesn't work in that role, and I. I think that's gonna harm this movie. Is I think. I think if they had gotten a stronger cast, this would have been a better movie. Uh, all right. So this is. <laughs> this might be just me getting old, er, older. I'm not old yet, obviously. But um, I was like, these guys are a little young to be leading a movie like this. And then you look at it, and they're like, they're like 26, 27, like nearing 30. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> well, I mean, they were playing like high schoolers, like... Not that long ago. One or two years ago, so... Yeah, I mean, it was a weird thing in uh, Cure to Wellness, when he's like playing like a upper management 
person in that movie. And I'm like, wait, what? You were, you were just in, in Amazing Spider-Man 2 being Green Goblin guy. So, I don't know. Have, have not seen Cure for Wellness. Yeah, well, don't, so. <laughs> I don't know. I, this is a movie I might actually end up seeing um, maybe Friday morning. I'll, I'll go watch it or something, but um, it's not the one I'm looking forward to this week like uh dunkirk is oh yeah um what do you think about dunkirk here uh on a hype level from like i don't know uh london has fallen to (laughs) okay as, as, as the bottom end of the spectrum to the bye bye man to at the top end of that spectrum it's about a Bye Bye Man too. Wow, you'll, you're that excited, huh? I am really excited for this movie. I mean, it's Christopher Nolan. What do you expect? Yeah, no, I am 100 percent with you on this one. Now, I just want to point out that Jacob was excited for this movie long before uh, Aaron was, and uh, Aaron was I like, don't, "Oh, I don't think that was true." Aaron's like, "Oh, this is just an Oscar bait movie." Oh, Christopher it, Nolan it is wants still an Oscar, Oscar bait movie. <laughs> oh boy, I don't know about this movie, and I'm like, "Yo, yo, yo, watch this." I never said I didn't know about this movie. I just said it was clearly Christopher Nolan wants an Oscar. No, I know. I'm just kidding. And that <laughs> that opinion has not changed. No, dude, and he deserves one. Because he's well, Christopher yeah. freaking Nolan. So. No, as I've stated many times, favorite director of all time. So, um, Obviously, I want him to win all the awards. So right now, we're, si- one. we're sitting at a 96 on the Tomometer. And at a 9 out of 10 uh, review, like rating average. So this movie mm-hmm. is going to blow our freaking minds, Aaron. I hope you understand that. I'm very excited because... There is actually a theater nearby me showing it in 70mm IMAX. Dude, you too? Yo, me too. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. So I'm definitely going to uh, force my family to yeah. drive the extra, like, 10 minutes out to that one. God. It's going to be so cool. I love that there are still filmmakers out there who are doing things like that and using... Like you know, real film and you know, pushing pushing the uh, technical boundaries in different ways than just saying, "Hey, this is all 3D now." There we go. We pushed the technical boundaries. It's like, no, you really didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason why I love Christopher Nolan as a director so much. It, because, well, like even though I disagree with him a little bit on the whole, you know, film versus digital debate. Like, I think he's being a little too harsh on digital filmmaking. Yeah. But I just love the fact that he's so passionate about the craft that, you know, he is, like, fighting to keep film alive. Like, even if no one else wants to, he's yeah. like, I'm going to gather my favorite directors together and be like, hey, yeah, no, we're keeping film. Yeah. Take that, studios. And also when stuff like that happens you get cool things like in the interstellar blu-ray where you get a piece of the uh film yeah i didn't get, get a really cool imax scene it wasn't a very cool one you didn't get a cool one i didn't get a very cool one. my brother got one where it was like matthew mcconaughey 
and his whoever played the daughter Mackenzie Four. Is that her name? I don't know. Well, it was like both of their hands touching the watch at the same time. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's like that's such a, a perfect really scene for this one. movie. <laughs> I got one of him sitting in the spaceship. <laughs> that was it. I forget which one I got. I think it was one where it was just like one of them like waking up from the cryo sleep thing. Ah, uh, boring. Yeah, I know. Dude, the watch one. Oh, dude, I will pay for that watch one. <laughs> like, where's your brother, man? I'll do that. No, um, so yeah, we're obviously very in love. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it either next week or yeah. two weeks from now. David and I still have to catch up on uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, so. Yeah, you do. David and I are seeing it Friday night, uh, and IMAX and 70mm as well, so. Nice. We're very excited. Um, this movie is going to give me anxiety. So, <laughs> here we go. Dude, when I was watching War for the Planet of the Apes, like, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, obviously, but uh, it's the first movie in a while where I forgot to breathe for a little while and I like let it out and I've just felt the tension leave my shoulders I was like oh my god I was tense for that long (laughs) that's gonna be this movie too because even the trailers just my god they freak me out um but yeah excited so guys let's move on to the what have we been watching segment this week he was horrible a lone biker of the apocalypse. A man with all the powers of hell at his command. I did not start this war. I offered you peace. Aaron. Yes. We've had a couple ex- extended days to watch things. So did you watch things? Uh, I Even with a few extended days, I did not no, watch much. This past week because I was out of town for quite a while, so there wasn't a whole lot I watched. But I have a few things I'll All talk right. about. Go for it. So uh, first off, just want to mention that I rewatched the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. Watched it. My brother hadn't seen it yet, so I was like, "Well, this is a film that's worth a rewatch." Mm-hmm. And I was. It was something where like I was. For a while, I was debating moving it up on my ranking. I was like, I kept on thinking of it more favorably and more favorably. And then upon rewatch, I was like, no, that's actually in the perfect spot for it. All right. Which is, it, it's like number six overall, it, number six overall for the year, which is, in my opinion, you know, it's still a really great movie. And mm-hmm. six is nothing bad, but. No, not at all. At the same time, I was like, there, it, it is still not nearly as good as the Lego movie. So I do think. I ended up being like, yeah, solidifying my thoughts on it. And they were pretty much exactly how I thought about it the first time around. All right. Cool. Uh, the next, watched a film that has been in like my watch list for a while now. Because it was a film that uh, Guillermo del Toro once recommended on Twitter. And I think it was also one of the... Have you, have you ever like watched those videos that Criterion puts out where they like bring actors or directors into their vault yes. and just let them like take whatever movies they want yes yeah that's pretty cool actually you get some good recommendations uh, from that <laughs> yeah that's so that's how i filled out some of my watch list i put like all the movies he <laughs> took out of the vault in my watch list and one of them was throne of blood okay yeah i wondered the, what that was it was an old uh, kurosawa 
film. Oh. And this was a film that, like, all I knew about it was it was in the Criterion Collection, and Guillermo del Toro highly recommended it. So I was that was enough for me to, like, want to watch it, but I didn't know anything about it beyond that. And then I get, they were showing it on TCM this past week, so I was like, great, I finally get a chance to watch it. And they have this introduction, as they often do for their movie, and they're sitting down with, like, the showrunners of that new William Shakespeare show that premiered. Is that a show? And it... What is that a show? I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a nice uh, dark and gritty origin story of William Shakespeare. Oh, sweet uh, but before he was Shakespeare, he was Will, because the name of the show is Will, and and that's how names work. You have to you have to earn your name. I hate everything. That's that's the thing. <laughs> but anyway, so I was like, why are these guys here? And they were explaining that in in. Uh, anticipation of the new William Shakespeare series, which was airing on one of TCM's sister networks, so that's why they had this this cross-promotion. They were like, we're, doing, we're showing adaptations of Shakespeare plays. And then I find out that Throne of Blood is actually a Japanese uh, version of Macbeth. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I was like, both like, that's actually kind of cool because it will be interesting, you know, watching this story I know so well, adapted for a different culture. And also it will, like, I suppose help me follow it more because it, it's a foreign language film and sometimes if I know the story right. of the film, it would it would it help me follow it better. Okay. So I was like, that's actually kind of neat. So I ended up uh, really enjoying it. It's a very well done adaptation. Like, it's the, pretty much the same Macbeth story, so I knew everything that was coming, but I think it was a very well done adaptation of the movie, you know, like, great actors, just, like, a very, very nice, uh, like, direction, for sure. It's a very atmospheric movie. They have a lot of, like, just, like, long takes of the characters within the environments, like, you know, getting lost in the forest, getting lost in the fog and everything, which Mm -hmm. makes it a really cool atmospheric movie. And I do really, like, they do this, like, twist on the ending of the play where it's not just because uh, there's you know there's that like whole prophecy I, like I, you only... know i don't think you have to worry about spoiling i that. yeah i i'm spoilers <laughs> for a 400 year old play or whatever <laughs> but there's that whole prophecy where it's like no man of woman born can kill you or whatever and then he ends up getting killed by the, the guy who was born out of c-section but they skip over that part in this movie and instead go with a, a different ending, which was actually, like, one of, like, the best scenes of cinema, like, I've ever seen, just in terms of, like, construction and filmmaking. It, it's just phenomenal. All right. So, it's a throne of blood. Highly recommend it. All right. And then, finally, for my week, uh, TCM was also showing some of the classic universal horror movies that I had not seen yet. So I watched a couple of those. Watched The Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein. Both pretty great, you know? You know, like, uh, they're just really fascinating in terms of the special effects of the 30s. You know, they're films that, like, even though you can, like, clearly see how they put it all together and, you know, what, what techniques exactly they're using... It's still something that's impressive, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know exactly what they're doing, but at the same time, you're, like, impressed that they were able to do this in these older movies. Right. Kind of thing. It, it's so, kind of like Man, kids make a movie, you know? Yeah. It's like, wow, these kids figured this out. <laughs> but, like, this was top-of-the-line top uh, special effects back in the day. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no. <Anyway. laughs> but, uh, so, Invisible Man, great from, like, the special effects standpoint. And Bride of Frankenstein, like, surprisingly really fun. Just, like, a really nice gothic horror movie. It picks up, like, it's weirdly, it almost feels like the second half of the Frankenstein movie. Especially since both movies are only, like, an hour long. And you're like, this is kind of short for a movie. Hmm. But that was the style back then. Yeah. But it, it very much is like an immediate sequel, like picking up a minute after the past Frankenstein movie. Wow. And I wasn't expecting that at all. And it's pretty much like the continuation of that storyline, like bringing it to completion, especially like the book goes all the way to Frankenstein wants, or Frankenstein's monster. Sorry, all you English majors out there. Frankenstein's monster. It's fine. It's different from Frankenstein. (laughs) But Frankenstein's monster wants Frankenstein to build the wife for him. So that's how the book ends. And then that's how, that's what this movie brings in. So, Mm -hmm. but Um, it was one I was very curious about because that's obviously the next film that they're trying to get to in this dark universe. (laughs) I was just going to ask, are you excited to watch a botched remake? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if it's anything like the mummy, I am uh, very excited. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I am interested. I am more interested in seeing how this dark universe turns out now that I've seen more of the original movies, even though they're going to be awful. Oh, so bad. So very bad. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my week. All right. Um, my week was pretty light as well, actually. Um. I already talked a little bit about uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Don't want to say too much about it, because I think if you've enjoyed the last two, even if this is your first Planet of the Apes movie, I think it's uh, well worth going to. They catch you up on everything pretty well, Um, even though I obviously recommend seeing Rise and Dawn anyway, because those are uh, really fantastic movies. As far as my ranking among those movies, I'd put it just right above Rise and Dawn I think is still in a league of its own as far Mm -hmm. as blockbusters go this like I texted Aaron I'm like this is really what blockbusters should be and I stand by that like to say it's not as good as Dawn is not like me being like oh it sucked like like a lot of people no I I really love Dawn so like um I just know that, that we're on the internet, and the internet likes to take, if you didn't like something, like it's the best thing in the world, um, you hated it, it's, but I didn't, uh, so. Uh, yeah, so overall for the year, I'd put it at my number three, um, just behind Raw, just above uh, uh, Black Coat's Daughter. Um, this movie really is just a really smart, really thoughtful really poignant, just well-acted, well-directed, well-written, well... Like, everything is great in this movie. There are very few things that I would say um, are bad. I There are a few things I might have some complaints with, but overall, 
Um, I left this movie wanting to see more. It left me wanting more within not in a bad way. Um, and that's mm-hmm. very... I can say that for very few movies, honestly. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to see this movie. It's one of my most anticipated movies of the year, but yeah, I mean, I've been out of town, so... It's officially uh, one of the best trilogies of all time, honestly, so... Um, yeah, so <laughs> nice. if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will, honestly. So, uh, yeah, so then well, I... Well, there is any, like, jazz dancing? Because uh, that's, that's the way to complete a, a trilogy on a high note. Now, there's no jazz dancing in the main movie, but if you wait until after the credits, there's a blooper reel that runs. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, there's some jazz dancing. No, there's no blooper reel. <laughs> Please don't... I mean, never mind. <laughs> okay. No blooper reel, so don't stay for that if that's what you're looking for patience yeah yeah. (laughs) that's good um anyway so moving on after that we got uh so i watched a couple more um coen brothers movies got Mm -hmm. a got a collection it had uh raising arizona uh blood simple fargo and miller's crossing in there i watched two of those this week um, I watched Blood Simple and Raising Arizona. Uh, I guess I'll start with their earlier movie. Uh, Blood Simple, their first movie, uh, is surprisingly really, really good. Um, Surprising, even though the Coen brothers is, are yeah. like one of your yeah. favorite set of directors. Surprising because knowing that they started out from their very first movie, making something... Uh, so well crafted and um, so well written. Um, now I, I'm not saying like this is their best movie because I really, it's not even in the top five uh, for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I, I I'm trying to figure out exactly where I put it right now. But uh, overall, highly recommend. Uh, it's interesting to watch this. I'm glad I watched Fargo first in a weird way because Mm -hmm. seeing that and then going and seeing where inspiration came from them you know what i'm saying like this the plot of the movie like it's almost like you saw the perfected revised version of the film dude no for real this is it is fargo (laughs) this really is fargo um just like the plot is extremely similar um a lot of the uh, moments are very similar. Um, and a cast that's fairly unknown. I mean, other than... Uh, uh, God, what is her name? She's in all of their movies. She's in Fargo. Why can't I think of her name? Which person from Fargo? The, the cop. Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand, thank you. Uh, this was actually Frances McDormand. Isn't she married to one of them? Is she really? I thought so. That would explain a lot. <laughs> because she's in every movie I've seen from them so far, I think. No, not all of them. But she's in like, quite a few. This is her first movie. Uh, and it's also their first movie, so it's like, oh, cool. Uh, but she's really great in it. And uh, there's a whole middle section of this movie. I think it's like 15 minutes long. And there's no dialogue. 
And that was the part that sold me on this movie. I was like, okay, this is really well done. And it's well acted, and it's well shot, well directed. Um, yeah, so that was great. Um, and then I watched Raising Arizona, which, not great. Like, I'd say it's still a good movie. Have you seen this one, Aaron? I haven't seen either of these, no. Oh, okay. Um, well, Raising Arizona is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> uh, in a good role, Sold. actually. Yeah, no, he's actually pretty good in this. Like, he's still playing over the top, but, like, Coen Brothers over the top. So it mm-hmm. works. Um, also, I believe it was their first... Uh, first um, collaboration with John Goodman. John Goodman? <laughs> John Goodman. Who is also pretty pretty great in this? Um, Helen Hunt, uh, Francis McDormand again. Um, yeah, but uh, overall, I think the plot's a little dumb. That's my only gripe with the movie. Uh, dumb as in like it's poorly written, or is it like a burn after reading scenario where it's like these characters are idiots? Well, yeah, that too. The characters are idiots. But the thing is, it's like, I don't know that this was, like, a great idea for a movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I don't even know what the premise of this movie is. The plot is that Nicolas Cage and his wife can't have kids, and a family in town just had five kids, so they steal one of the kids. (laughs) And it sounds way more interesting than it is, honestly. (laughs) Um... But there are some really good good scenes in this. A lot of pretty big laughs. I mean, it's very much more comedy than their, uh, their other stuff. Um, very straight comedy. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'd still say I enjoy it. I like it better than Burn After Reading overall. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, Burn After Reading is, like, is probably still the better movie. But there's so much wasted potential in that movie that it's hard for me to overlook that. Where this movie is still them being pretty new. This is like 87, so I think it was like either their second or third movie. Um, so, you know, there's still not a lot. They're still getting their bearings. Um, and they have Nicolas Cage to work with, so I mean, come on. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all I watched, actually. Uh, talked about Memento on Gateway to Cinema, so listen to that this week. Indeed. The twist is not that the movie is backwards, no, you guys. No, it's not. I, fun, fun fact. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys, let's move on to the uh, new segment that is unnamed because I'm not good at names. But let's just call it uh, the advice column of the uh, podcast. Uh, so it's going to be a bit like uh, Pitch It or Ditch It, but... A little more pointed, a little more focused on uh, one aspect or, or one company. Uh, less pitching a show and more just, you know, giving them a little advice. These guys seem a little troubled. This company seems a little troubled. This produ- this uh, studio, this director. How can we help them? What can we do to make their lives a little bit easier? Right, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure what you're expecting out of this segment, no, but uh, we're going to figure it out. Yeah, that's so, the thing. Uh, hopefully, like with we'll Pitch be, It or Ditch we'll It, we started out pretty normal, like pitching real things, and then it just mm-hmm. devolved into insanity, so um, who knows what will happen here. 
Uh, yeah, so this week uh, we're giving advice to Disney. Uh, just Disney as a company. Any facet of them. Aaron, All right. would you yes. like to start or you want me to go? Uh, I can start. All right. Because I, I have a little advice for Disney. Yeah. Because you, you, see, you see Disney, I, I know what you're all about recently. What you're about is you're, you're tired of coming up with new ideas. Right. You know, you're like, you know, we're, we've tried it. We tried Tomorrowland. That was almost an original idea. Didn't work. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, well, we're just going to remake all our old animated movies in live action. Of course. They're like, that's, a, that's what we're going to do. We're going to remake every single one of these because that's a thing that people need. We're even going to make The Lion King, even though it's not actual yeah, live li- action. Yeah, live action Lion King. <laughs> that's just... Literally all of it I, is I, animated. <laughs> I don't get what they're trying to pull I, off I here. read, like, uh, I was on the Wikipedia page for that today. And then <laughs> okay. I, I, I saw that, uh, like, under, like, the production header or whatever, they were, like, filming began in this blue screen studio in California or whatever. And it was just like, why does this feel just, like, so soul-crushing? Like, just imagining them, all these cameramen sitting in the studio, filming just just a blue screen screen and possibly, like, a couple trees on the set or something. (laughs) Like, that's it. You're just like, oh. Dude, John Favreau probably wants to murder someone right now. He's like, yo, I was I was directing Iron Man. Now I'm making live action. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I see I have a better solution though. You know, you're you're missing the obvious path, Disney. If you, you don't want to come up with any original ideas, you, but you also don't want to turn off people like me and uh, Lacey who mm-hmm. don't want to see just a bunch of remakes of movies we already know. Right. I told you I'm done. What you gotta do is you gotta understand what people are really looking for nowadays, and that is prequels that don't feature the characters we loved from the original movies. You know, like like Gotham. It's a Batman show without Batman. <laughs> you got Krypton. It's about Superman's grandfather because that's a show people were wanting. Wait, is that really happening? That's that's yeah. That's a, oh, that's God. really happening. <laughs> so okay. my suggestion is what you do is. You make prequel films about the parents of all your Disney princesses. Yeah. Because people are always like, you know, all your princesses are orphans. It, it sends a bad message that, you know, like, like the parents are useless in someone's growing up, you know. So what you do. It's not a good message. You, you, you got to make a prequel film about the parents. Princesses aren't even born yet, but the parents are off doing whatever helping with the kingdom doing whatever collecting taxes <laughs> um, you could you can explain where like minuscule items from the first movie that no one cared about came from you, give, you can give an origin story to all that that's something you can you can do like a beauty and the beast prequel instead of remaking it do a prequel where we see the beast's mother and father Buying all the furniture, yeah. and then being like, "Wait a second, we don't have any furniture in this castle because apparently all the furniture were just all the furniture they had 
were the people. Didn't have any other furniture. So you gotta explain that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'm really on board with what you're talking about here. Because, number one, we get the parents off their backs, you know? Like you said, bad messaging, you know? Mm-hmm. Parents don't suck, guys. Come on. Love your parents. Um, I think I just popped the mic really bad there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree. I think I'm on board with this. And that way we don't have to sit through any more absolutely worthless pieces of trash called uh, Disney remakes. Yeah, but you also... Disney gets to keep their brand name recognition yeah. and still rake in like half a billion dollars for each of these movies. Cause oh my god. That's, that's what the cinema goers wanted. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I, film of the year. I just want... $500 million <laughs> domestically. No, we don't have to talk. Don't give them more <laughs> airtime than they deserve, Aaron. <laughs> Alright, so Disney. My advice to you, now, all right, so I've been noticing a bit of a trend with you. You like to bring in talented directors, get all of their ideas out of them, and then kick them to the curb so you don't have to pay them as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you did it with Ant-Man, with, with Edgar Wright, and then brought in Peyton Reed, you know, a director no one really knows or cares about. Sorry, Peyton Reed. And, uh, <laughs> and then you're doing it again with Star Wars, the Han Solo movie. Uh, except for you bring in Ron Howard, which I think is a bit of a misstep. You want to bring in someone no one's ever heard of. Um, so that way you can make the most amount of cash. Because, you know, you don't have to pay them as much. Um, now, I'm going to say double down on that. Make sure... Mm-hmm. Do that with all of your movies. You know, you're making... Uh, you're making <laughs> The Lion King 2 live action. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Um, if we get to a point where they're making live action adaptations of the direct to DVD sequels, oh my God. that is gonna be the death of cinema. Yeah. Like that yeah. that is where I'm drawing the line. <laughs> I mean they already are with Jungle Book 2. Yeah, but it's it's supposed to be an original story. Sure, sure. We'll see. And uh but yeah, double down on that. So Bring in Quentin Tarantino for the Lion King 2. Bring him in. Uh, let him work for about f- four weeks, maybe maybe a little bit more. Uh, get all of his good ideas out. And then just can him. And then bring in the guy who did Paranormal Activity. <laughs> and have him do it. Because then you're like, we already have this movie down, basically. So... Let's just bring someone in that we can puppet along. <laughs> we're, we're going all the way for the first Paranormal Activity movie, though. Yeah. Not not even, like, the, the sixth one or, or the fourth one or whatever. Yeah, we're fourth, going... Fourth that's, one... I mean, first Paranormal Activity still seems a little high-end for me. The fourth one, those guys are making the Mega Man movie now, so we can't... I saw that. We can't use, we can't use that. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then after that, uh, so let's see, what what else did you guys make? Oh, let's make Lady and the Tramp live action. (laughs) It's going to happen, Aaron. Of course, of course. Let's see, who can we get to do Lady and the Tramp? Uh, let's get Damien Chazelle. Let's bring Damien Chazelle in 
uh, you know, get maybe like, well, you know, we'll get two months out of him and then can him and then bring in the director of Annabelle. And then we're like, yo, you'll do anything for money, obviously. So here we go. So, so does this apply to the ones in development as well? You know, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin and Tim Burton's Dumbo yeah. and whatever else they're working on. Just... Tim Burton is low quality enough. I think you can keep him the whole time. <laughs> Uh, that's true we're, we're gonna we're gonna bring in uh early 90s tim burton yeah to start it and then we're gonna bring in late 2010s Allison tim burton to finish it tim burton <laughs> um and yeah so guy Ritchie, yeah like we gotta kick him right now man like he you're already going to be spending too much money on him you already casted will smith as the genie horrible idea but whatever you're doing it so all right it's time to bring in uh, let's see. Who is it time to bring in on this one, Aaron? On Aladdin? Yeah. Adam Sandler. Not even a yeah. director, but his, he's going to think he really knows how to write those genie jokes. You know, Adam Sandler has made so many movies that, you know, he he seems like the type of person that would have picked up on a few things about filmmaking and could could step into the... Yeah. Director's chair. And he's going to write Genie's jokes. I mean, it's it's perfect. It's the perfect yeah. idea. So, Disney, overall, all we're asking you to do is once you're done with all these live-action sequels, uh, you know, make uh, make some prequels. And also, kick out the directors for the prequels as well. <laughs> so, when you're making, <laughs> so, bring Brad Bird in <laughs> to do, uh, like, Tangled prequel or whatever. And then um, when you're done, uh, replace him with, uh, oh, I don't know, guy who did the Hunger Games movies, I guess. Yeah. Seems like a good choice. I don't know. <laughs> guy who did Hoodwinked. Bring in the guy who did Hoodwinked. <laughs> like, here we go. Oh, or God, Hoodwinked 2. Hood versus Evil. Is it the same guy? I'm sure it's probably the I'd, same guy. I'd... Was it? I don't know. This guy, whoever made Hoodwinked, had already given up. So that's all he has left. He's like, all I, he's sitting in a room all by himself. He's like, all I have left is Hoodwinked. This is all I am. <laughs> I'm sorry to whoever wrote Hoodwinked. I don't think you're really nothing. Um, so yeah. Guys, uh, do you like the segment? No? Too bad. We're doing it for nine more weeks. Here we go. Yeah, yes, you're stuck with it. Yeah, well, it's not a very long segment, so. Guys, let's move on <laughs> to the bad movie of the week. Oh my god! I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Hey, give me my ball. Garbage day! Huh? No! Aaron. Yes. You got some badness for me. I I do. I have a film that I've been eagerly anticipating sharing with everyone. Okay. This is this is actually a film. I believe I mentioned this last week that my Fourth of July movie viewing consisted of two films. One was Yankee Doodle Dandy from the AFI Top 100 list. Mm-hmm. You know, nice nice patriotic musical kind of thing about an American who wrote a bunch of, like, songs for World War One, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Then, the other film I watched was this little film called, uh, 
Uncle Sam. Oh yeah, and you see he's a guy. Yeah, because you see the the proper way to celebrate any holiday is to Google search what slasher movies correspond to that holiday, mm. and then watch it, not knowing anything else. Oh god! And uh, this 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 is the true way to celebrate holidays. So, I have found my new annual Fourth of July film to watch. Oh, and it is Uncle Sam. Alright. So this is a movie. We start, th- there's this like soldier, and his name is Sam. Of course. And he was, he was killed overseas by friendly fire. Oh. And his body was sent back to America. Wow, that's pretty and this, up. <laughs> and this, <laughs> and uh, Sam... Sam has a nephew called Jody. So Jody has an uncle Sam. This is this is his uncle Sam. Wait, Jody's a wait, Jody. All right, Jody Jody, is a Jody is a boy. Okay. It's yeah. Okay, I I don't know. I just didn't know if you were getting your pronouns mixed up or what there. But okay, Jody. No, I I, yeah, I've never heard Jody being used as a boy's name, but yeah, I don't know. Sure. Maybe maybe over. it was originally written for a girl, and then they're just like <laughs> they couldn't find a new one. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're too lazy to uh, rewrite the script. Yeah. So so Jody, Jody is a very patriotic young child. Okay, you know, as, as they were they were very inspired by stories of their uncle Sam, and so basically the first like hour of this hour and a half long slasher movie is uh jody like walking around talking to a bunch of people and like chastising them for not being patriotic enough oh my god <laughs> like he, his his dad comes home and he's like oh another grueling day at work and then the government's gonna come in and take all my money for taxes anyway <laughs> and then Jody's just like staring at him. He's just like, "You un-American, ungrateful." <laughs> and and then we have like a teacher who's like doing a history class, and they're like, "Hey, here's why the Vietnam War was a bad idea," and all that. Mm-hmm. And and we just have like a bunch of characters like this that are all just like, "Hey." America has had some problems in the past, and uh, maybe we should uh, work to fix that. And then, basically, uh, Aaron, basically what they're saying is make America great again. Yes, but you see, Jody thinks America is great as it is. Oh, so wow. he's getting he's getting really annoyed at all That's these unpatriotic guys. people, especially since it's Fourth of July oh, of holiday weekend. Okay. And because his uncle, his uncle Sam, has just returned from overseas. But dead. But dead. But when the clock ticks midnight on 4th of July, his uncle Sam awakens in the grave and comes out of his casket. And then he finds some man who is uh, preparing for the 4th of July parade who's wearing an Uncle Sam costume, and he just kills this person and steals their Uncle Sam costume. Wow, that's because, not a good way to start. <laughs> yeah, we, we needed some way to you know, get him in that costume. and Sure, why not? 
Let's just go for the simplest route possible. Okay. I can buy it. So then uh, Uncle Sam starts going around and killing all of these people who just hate America, you know? Yeah. Like, we we had, there's a bunch of rowdy teenagers who are burning a flag and, uh, like, free speech. Spray spray painting uh, soldiers' gravestones and stuff. So Uncle Sam comes in. And he starts murdering them all. And uh, one of the best part of slasher movies are the kills. And there's yeah. some there's some pretty great ones in here. And there's one where he just like, you know, like hooks this guy up and then like hoists him up as like a flag. And he's like wearing like this red white red and white striped outfit with like a blue shirt underneath or whatever. And then Uncle Sam just comes up with, like wraps a rope around his neck and uh, hoists him up as a flag. Oh and you're just God. like. That's a, that's an interesting uh, kill or whatever. Uncle Sam, you're a real piece of crap, man. <laughs> like, dude, I get it. They shouldn't have been defacing those graves, but man, that's a bit of a severe punishment. Hey, hey, this is the true American way. I guess. Okay. <laughs> so. And so then there's like a fourth of, the Fourth of July parade happens or whatever, and there's like this weird subplot where like there's this kid. In a wheelchair, who like had his like face scarred and like lost his sight because he was messing around with fireworks like last Fourth of July or something. Okay. And then like Uncle Sam, like he's like uh, walking around the parade or whatever. He's in the Uncle Sam disguise, so no one knows he's an undead zombie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just like comes up to a kid in the wheelchair and like starts touching his face, oh. and he's just like. I'll kill whoever you want me to kill, or whatever. What the? <laughs> it's just like the weirdest thing, and like nothing happens with it because, like, the kid just the kid in wheelchair just like teams up with Jody and all that, and a bunch of other people to like stop Uncle Sam eventually. Because because Uncle Sam, he's just going around killing more people. Mm-hmm. He like kills this. Uh, there's this corrupt politician who's like stealing taxpayer money or whatever. And so Uncle Sam blows him up with a bunch of fireworks and all that. All right. You know, great Crime stuff. Fish the punishment, and, I get it. And so Jody, like, learns that his Uncle Sam has come back to life because his casket is open and all his military pins are gone. So. <laughs> Wait a second. He hasn't known he's been alive this whole time? <laughs> no. I kind of assumed he they were going he... around doing this together. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. No, he's... This is just, we have two characters who are super obsessed with, like, people being patriotic, but one is just, you know, this 10-year-old kid wandering around for an hour talking to people, and the other one is dressed in an Uncle Sam costume murdering people. Right, 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 right. Normal stuff. So then there's, like, this this thing where uh, Jody is like, oh, Uncle Sam is a true hero, he was a great American or whatever, and then, like, Uncle Sam's wife... and his, his his wife and her sister, so, like, Jody's mom, like, come in, and they're like, actually, uh, he was really abusive and a terrible person, and you shouldn't idolize him. And then, and then, jo- so then Jody teams up with the wheelchair kid to take down Uncle Sam. Oh, my God. And they... <laughs> And they just have, like, this ridiculous way to fiend. They, like, drag this old, like, Revolutionary War cannon to this one house. 
and then they just like start shooting at him with this cannon even though this cannon is you know like firing at like one round every 10 minutes or whatever (laughs) (laughs) all right so they just like destroy so sam like conveniently walks in a straight line while they fire this cannon and then they shoot the cannon at him he blows up Mm -hmm. all that good stuff and then Jody just like burns all his war themed toys and the movie ends. It's a nice it's a nice quality movie. There's no nice final patriotic scare? movie. There's no final scare actually. It's huh. a surprise. And this film didn't get a sequel, which is quite yeah, sad. Well, I mean not but really it's, surprising. <laughs> it's a very nice uh patriotic movie with some kind of message. I'm sure there is some kind of message in this film. Yeah. I, I am I'm I'm sure it has some kind of significant statement to say and wasn't just a bunch of political nonsense followed by some pretty awesome slasher kills. Yeah, no, probably. You're probably right. I mean there's there, something there. Yeah, there's there's definitely like some kind of coherent message and point. Some kind of like smart political satire involved here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because it's called Uncle Sam. It is called, and Uncle it's about Sam. a guy who's actually an Uncle Sam. Still not as scary as the Uncle Sam in uh, Across the Universe, though, because that stuff will haunt your nightmares. Uh, I've never seen Across the Universe. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's freaky. <laughs> you need to see this movie. It's actually a pretty good movie. Um, I like it quite a bit. Is that the one with like all the Beatles songs? Yeah, I mean, so you know why I like it. So yeah, <laughs> but it is it is good. Um, but it's especially good if you if you know a lot of the Beatles uh, discography. So, but yeah, if you are looking for a great American way to celebrate the Fourth of July, look no further than Uncle Sam. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is a true. American classic. Sure. With with all the things that you would ever want. Um specifically I love that... a guy in an Uncle Sam costume. That's all you need. Killing people in various ways. I love that they couldn't just have him be bad for killing people. They had to like make him also abusive and stuff. They were like, yo man, he also <laughs> abused me. It's like, what? Where'd that come from? <laughs> He never heard yeah, about this ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, guys, let's move on to the final segment, The Fault in Your Stars. Oh, okay. I didn't even have time to tell you how wrong you are. Actually, it's going to bug me if I don't. That's fine. I get that, but you're wrong and I hate you. This is, of course, the segment where we uh, go on Flickster. We find a good review for a bad movie or a bad review for a good movie. And then we, uh, you know, we uh, take out all the spoilery bits, all the things that would give it away as to what the movie is. Then we read it to the other two people. They try and guess what the movie is. <clears throat> Today, I have the movie. I have the review. I don't have this movie. But that might be a hint. I don't think I should have said that. Uh, doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I don't know why that would be a hint. If you you know if you're looking at my movie collection right now, this might be a hint. <laughs> so, um, all right, here we go. One star. For someone that knows a bit about how hacking work, 
This movie is just a full bag of mistake that make the movie just absurd, out of computer aspect. How kill kill them? He's everywhere same time, just absurd. It, wait, is this is this all I get? I have more, but I just wondered if you knew anything from that. Hacking movie. I don't know. Read me another one okay. while I try to think or whatever. One and a half stars. The technological achievements are somewhat there, but this movie was executed really horribly. Almost every character is unlikable. There are numerous cheap jump scares. There are obvious editing errors, and things happen which absolutely do not make sense, especially for a cyber ghost. Overall, the movie is not genuinely entertaining, let alone scary. Okay, I, I think I got it. Yeah. Well, is it unfriended? It is unfriended. A movie that I think is good, and everyone can fight me if they want to disagree. Yeah, I mean, I guess it uh, fits our criteria for a good movie for this game, because it is fresh on the tomato meter. Yeah. Once Barely, I believe, right? Yeah, it's like 67 or something. Um, just a full bag, <laughs> I just love this, for someone that knows a bit about how hacking work, this movie is just full bag of mistakes that make the movie just absurd, out of computer aspect, how the kill kill them, <laughs> he's everywhere at the same time, just absurd. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a ghost. It's, it's it, he's not hacking. I think I think they really thought that there was another person. I, uh... <laughs> uh, guys, this has been episode sixty-one of Freeboot already underway. If you want to find us around the internet, you can find Aaron at Little Flame Dude on Twitter. Uh, also, this clever blog name is already taken at Tumblr.com. If you want to find David around the internet, you can find him at Dbex15. That's with two S's on Twitter. Um, and if you want to find me around the internet, you can find me at Jake underscore Lace on, no, wait, yes, Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. It's been a while since I've said this. Jake underscore Lace on Twitter and Jake Lace on Tumblr, uh, working on some stuff. So you can hang out there if you want, just hang out, I guess. Um, if you want to find the podcast around the internet, you can find us at Reboot Already On on Twitter, uh, Reboot Already Underway on Facebook. Of course, on SoundCloud and iTunes. Guys, SoundCloud is safe. What? Did you hear about this, Aaron? About how SoundCloud was, like, losing a lot of money or whatever? Yeah. uh, Firing employees or something? I think it was Kendrick Kendrick Lamar who talked to SoundCloud and was like, Don't worry, guys. SoundCloud is safe. It's like, how do you know Kendrick Lamar? Like, you because he's Kendrick that. Lamar. I guess. he knows. How, how'd he not know? Um, yeah. So uh, go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, five stars. If you like what we're doing over here, if you want to see more like this, and if you want to, uh, you know, really really uh, help us out, that would really help us out if you gave us five stars. And wrote a nice review. A review for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, though. Not our show. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So, uh, guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you all again next week when we talk about, I'm assuming, Dunkirk and also... The Bye-Bye Man versus Uncle Sam. Oh, that would be horrible. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Catch you guys next week. Goodbye.